Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey, it's Greg Hoffman from Take Command. And the best part about podcasts is they create a 25th hour in the day. Whenever I'm commuting, metro, car, even when I'm riding my bike around town, although in that case, one earphone only, safety kids, I'm always listening to podcasts. And this offseason, you can get all the insights, all the news, all the analysis, and Logan and I occasionally make a joke or two in the Take Command podcast on demand so it fits in to your busy schedule. Follow Take Command in the Odyssey app or wherever you get your pods. Our thanks again to Jim Nagy, Senior Director of the Senior Bowl in Mobile, Alabama. The draft starts in Mobile. Uh, the coverage, by the way, all the way next week on NFL Network. Uh, my guy, Andrew Siciliano, leads the coverage. Uh, he was on the show last week. They do a great job. So uh, for those of us that are stuck at home, got a way to watch it. Uh, and Logan, let me say this real quick before we get into kind of the, the topic that we're going to talk about here to start uh, some of the quarterback stuff, more of it. I've had some folks ask like, okay, if McDonald makes the, the Super Bowl, Johnson doesn't, is, does that hurt McDonald because you can get Johnson in and he could go down to the Senior Bowl? It's important to remember, all this stuff is on film. So, right. well, yes, you would like to be able to watch the Senior Bowl in person. A lot of coaches don't even go anyway. Right. Um, when you have the number two pick, maybe it's a little more important to go, even though maybe the guys that you're going to take at number two aren't there. But you can catch up as a coaching staff on all of this stuff because you have the film. So I, just, I think that's an important thing in terms of the process to point out, and then we can get into the, the quarterback stuff. Well, so I think there's a reason you go GM hire first, and it's because like in, in a GM-centric model or a GM-coach-centric model where they both have their own kind of independent authority, this is the GM's job. The GM's job is to take this information, which is all of these potential prospects, distill the information, give them grades, and organize that information. When the coach then comes in and they say, this is the type of players we're looking for at this position, they will then go and recomb through that information that they've already distilled and then present the coaches, the staff, with lists, right? And that process usually happens after the combine, which is crazy to think about. Everyone says, like, I'd go to the combine and be like, talking about my coaching buddies, I'm like, hey, what'd you think of so-and-so? What'd you think of so-and-so? They're like, we haven't got our list yet because the, the the GM and the scouting staff has not organized it in a way that's ready for the coaches yet. So the coaches, instead of having to watch, so for example, I think there's, um, I'm trying to remember the exact number. There's probably seven tight ends going to the Senior Bowl. There's seven tight ends going to the Shrine Bowl. There's, three, there's two or three guys that aren't going to either bowl that'll be dropped. So that's about 17 to 20 players that would have like a draftable possibility. The coaches don't need to watch all those guys. The scouts go through them and they say, here are 10 guys we need you to watch. Here are five guys we need to watch. Right. And, and these are the ones us... that fit our system that fit what you want out of a tight right. end. We've eliminated the other ones for you. And that's one of the things like, you know, I, I, I feel 
a certain level of sympathy for Ron. I sh maybe I shouldn't because he did to himself, but as the coach and the GM, it's a lot of stuff to distill. And so this is the, one of the benefits of this model. You have someone in place. You know, I think uh, Josh Harris said it best when he was like, you know, it's an 80-hour job week to be a GM, and this is why. I have to get through this information, distill this information, categorize it all in a way that I want. Like I think in, in the Nagy conversation, I think you brought up a great point. I have two guys that I have classified as defensive ends, right? Because I think they could play defense and defensive ends in a four-down structure like the one that was here last year with uh, Jack Del Rio and Ron Rivera. But he was like, I have them classified as five techniques. And I think that's totally reasonable, but that's something a GM would do. Like GM Logan Paulson says these guys are potential edge players. GM Joe Nagy says, no, these are five techniques. And again, depending on our defensive scheme, that's a decision that's been made for me ahead of time. And I think that that is awesome to have. And so that's kind of what why it's not as important, I don't think, to kind of have this, um, you know, the, the coach in place yet because you've got the GM here. And for this part of the offseason, that's right. the most important important hire. So Right. We're still in the information gathering. You need to have all the information in order to be able to sort it. Coach is necessary to sort it properly. But because uh, you have to know what you're sorting for, Correct. but the GM uh, can can do other stuff now. So uh, gathering information on quarterbacks, Jim Jim uh, is is one of the people that's like I don't know maybe you you circle back on Sam right. Howell and trade down. What did you make of that comment with with kind of where this quarter the top of this quarterback class is and guys like Nix and Penix and McCarthy by the way potentially rising. Yeah, man, I think I've, it's always a good reminder because I think, you know, I, I just finished going through the quarterbacks and obviously to me, Caleb Williams is like the guy and his kind of big wart or blemish is the fact that he does everything off schedule and that's a little bit disconcerting, but he just has so much natural playmaking ability in a very like early career Russell Wilson way that you're like, maybe we take a bet on this guy just because he's such a tremendous talent. So I think if I think if I'm Chicago, that's the direction I'm going. And then, like on the last podcast, I alluded to the fact that I'm like a I'm a, like a I'm a Daniels guy right now. I think his his athletic upside, his accuracy, his playmaking ability probably puts him ahead of Drake May for me. But the the thing that he brought up, which I thought was really fascinating, and it's a good thing to remind yourself as a talent evaluator, is like if you don't love that guy, like let's say for example, I don't have I'm not in love with Jaden Daniels or Drake May or Bo Nix, you know, whoever is the the the, the kind of quarterback class of this year. Um, there is value in having that second pick. So if I were to trade that pick, much like Philadelphia did a couple of years ago, and accrue draft capital, and then say I trade back and I'm able to draft, um, you know, the Oregon State tackle at ten or whatever, whatever that looks like, and then I'm also able to pick up another first round pick, so I'm able to draft a receiver and a defensive end. You know, I think like those types of decisions are so critical, especially when there's so many gaps in uh, in the roster, right? And so then you have more draft capital next year and you do have the opportunity because of this extra draft capital to trade it for someone that you really, really like. I don't see that happening. Again, I haven't done any evaluation of the 2025 draft class because I'm not that much of a psycho, but it seems <laughs> like these three guys are pretty good players. You know, like these guys are pretty good compared to last year, compared to the year before. Like I have a pretty high grade on them. So, um, and again, like I also think it's important to note, like I like, Bo Nix's tape at Oregon, obviously. Obviously at Auburn, that's a different player, but I like his tape at Oregon. And I think, you know, um, uh, the quarterback from Michigan, uh, what's his name? J.J. Uh, McCarthy. J.J. McCarthy has some pro-level traits, and everything you hear out of Michigan, he's going to test super well. He's been in a pro-style offense. So maybe you say, hey, if we can get enough infrastructure around him, a young offense, a good OC, a guy that can help him develop, maybe those are some decisions we can make. And then Penix, I think, is really interesting. The only reason I haven't, 
fallen in love with him necessarily is because I think the injury history is very comprehensive there. So it gives me a little bit of pause. But again, like that that second kind of cluster of quarterbacks is very, very talented. And we haven't even talked about kind of that third tier, which I think I think are starting caliber players in the right universe. So like Joe right. Milton, he talked about is one of the most talented, like one of the most talented guys I've ever watched. Does that mean he's a good quarterback? No, but he's very, very talented. So maybe you take a flyer on him, you get him in a Jalen Hurts tight system and it elevates the offense and you live with him for a year or two. And then he kind of develops in the same way Lamar Jackson did. Is that likely? I don't know. But, and then I think the other kid, um, the kid from Tulane, let me get his name for a second, is maybe the most accurate dude in the class. Like he is awesome. And again, I think a starting caliber player. So maybe you yeah, fall in love with Pratt. that guy. Michael Pratt, thank you. And I think, again, so th this quarterback class is unique, and I think that's one of the reasons the draft is so exciting. But it's a good reminder, basically saying that beauty's in the eye of the beholder. If I don't love one of these top three guys, I'm going to say two because I think Caleb Williams is going to be off the board. And I guess, and that's the other thing we didn't even talk about. If you love Caleb Williams and you think he's the answer moving forward, are you going to trade to one? So you can either go up, you can go down. But I do think just reminding yourself that there is – some flexibility here at two and the and the flexibility that that pick gives you at two is a, just a great reminder by Jim Nagy uh, to kind of bring that up. And especially in this kind of diverse landscape of quarterbacks, specifically in this class. Hey, everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. No, I think that's a hundred percent correct. And I think, I don't know, there's like a, there's a, so many different offshoots of this conversation. Right. Um, one of which is I do think that while Sam Howell isn't who I'd want to bank my future on, if all of a sudden you get stuck with him and like a younger guy, one, Sam is still 23 years old. Right. So again, I'm not saying that he, you should go back to him. I've, been very clear i think he's probably best suited as a backup and maybe that is where he's going to be for a decade uh, of his career in the nfl because he's smart and he you know if, if he's got to make a play break class in case of emergency guy like he's already proven he can do that um but he's going to be younger or he is younger than half the dudes that are about to be drafted Correct. so if all of a sudden you, you circle back and you're like yeah the contract you know we're halfway through the rookie deal but we just don't really like any of these guys so let's buff up the roster like they're going to be better than they were this year just with another year of experience with sam a more quarterback friendly system and a lot better roster hopefully around him and then you can attack it next year so that would be thing one but to also you could take a quarterback with that 35th pick you know right. who's the who's the top quarterback in the second round and you get you probably are trading out of two at that point and letting someone else come up and take a quarterback in doing so you get a top flight tackle or, or edge or whatever it is and you'll probably get their first round pick next year right. and whoever that team is is probably not going to be very good because they're going to be starting drake may or jaden daniels unless one of those guys has a breakout rookie year you're much more likely to be Bryce Young as a rookie than you are C.J. Stroud. So you probably yeah. get a really good pick in 25. You're still probably not going to be an awesome team in 2024. So your pick might be high in 25. So that is kind of the eagle strategy of, of doing it is, yeah. while it seems like the right thing to do is in a quarterback-heavy class, 
take a quarterback when you have the number two pick and the thought process is that we'll never pick this high again, you also don't want to wait this pick because you hopefully are never going to pick this high again. And right. if you take a quarterback because you're supposed to and you're not in love with that guy, I don't, that's to me, that's not a good pick. I also do think there's credence to the lottery ticket theory that like these quarterbacks evaluations are really hard. It's a bit of a crapshoot. Just right. take the quarterback. And if you, if you can squint hard enough that you, unless you just like really don't like them, if you kind of like them, it's probably worth the shot. And a guy like Jaden Daniels with his talent or even Drake may with his natural talent. I mean, he's got the size, he's got the arm, he's got um, a fearlessness and a playmaking ability. That's, that's nice. Like, it's probably worth it just to take one. And, and if it doesn't work out, if you realize in a year you messed up, you're going to suck and you'll be right back there again. And you try again next year, a la the Cardinals with um, Josh Rosen and then ultimately Kyler Murray. Yeah. And I think there, I think I, I agree, but I also think like with a roster where there's a lot of, you know, a lot of growing that needs to be done, a lot of filling out that needs to be done. Like if you were to trade back and you're able to get a tackle, like the Talisi Fuaga kid from Oregon state, who is awesome. You get him at 10. And you're also able to get Latu Latu at 15 or 16. Those are two, what in my estimation, blue chip players. And the reason I say Latu, uh, Latu at 16 is because he's got this medical history, right? And so you get a guy that is probably a top 10 talent, but you get him at 16. You get an edge player that you can build around. <clears throat> it's on a rookie deal. You get a tackle of the future. And, and I think you kind of say, wow, is that in terms of our team building philosophy, is that worth it? You know, and and th those are the types of questions you're going to be negotiating. And, you know, if the price is right, like if someone comes in and says, we'll give you four first round picks for the second overall pick, like I'm Done. probably doing that. You know what I mean? And again, but if it's like hey, two and a second, I'm like, you know, let's let's, let's roll the dice with quarterback. So I think that like, I'll, I, we're, we're speculating tremendously here, but I think it's it was an important reminder for me because I was yeah. like, they're going to go quarterback at two. And then I was like, I think there is a especially because of how this draft is allocated too. I think. He also brought that up in the conversation. There are some really good football players in the top 100, like really good football players. And then after that, you're kind of like, maybe this guy's a draftable player, maybe not. And again, you got to draft somebody. So you're going to get players there, obviously. But if you just increase your hit, hit rate in this really kind of thick upper, upper half of the class, maybe that's not a bad idea either. And so I think it's just an important reminder that this, these are decisions that Adam has to make and, that, and why it's important to have them in place. Because he's got to kind of make this evaluation for himself. And he might disagree with Nagy. He might say, hey, man, you know, like this quarterback's generational, franchise-changing guy. Let's take him. Or he's like, man, we're kind of on the fence. Let's fill out. And yeah, get he's, it might piece. be like, look, I know I know how to target a quarterback. Brock Purdy was Correct. was it is, it is my latest success story. Um, so there's there's different ways to do it. I will say this. I think, I think to me the biggest question that I'm going to have by the time the draft rolls around is what's the difference – I mean, obviously, it only matters, not only matters what Peters thinks, but like the collective commander's brain trust. How yeah. big is the gap between May, Daniels, and Knicks and Penix and McCarthy? Yeah. Like, because if it's not that much and you don't trade back, that is reckless. Like, yeah. you have to, because someone's going to love one of those top three guys. And if you can get value for that, um, or like you get a New England team that you convince you're going to take their guy. And even if you swap two and three, yeah. right? Like you, you convince them, Hey man, if you really like Drake may, and it's not even that you have to convince them, uh, that, that you like him, uh, you have to convince them that someone else is going to come up. Correct. And it's like, Hey, we got a call from Vegas at seven. We're okay with, with taking, uh, their deal. 
we'd rather take yours if you'll give us three. Yeah. But they're gonna if not, we're gonna trade it to seven and they're gonna take Drake May. So if you want yeah. May, give me your offer now. That's gotta be better than theirs. And you can go back from two to three, still get your guy and Daniels potentially, um, but be willing to go back to seven. Like that is because you like Knicks, for instance. Like yeah. that is the kind of decision making that is complex. It's not very concise and doesn't make for like a, a good uh, concise hot take. But like yeah. those are the decisions that we're really talking about here. So I know obviously we're as early in the process as you can be with the senior bowl coming next week. And you're just kind of getting through the tape portion of it. But like to you, how distinct is that divide right now? And, and how, you know, why do you land on Daniels for instance, as the top, a guy outside of Caleb Williams? Yeah. I mean, and I think it's, it's kind of close. I was at the, you know, I was at that, um, the, uh, the, the combine prep facility and there's all these agents walking around and you kind of bump into one and they'll say, they say stuff. They're like, I think Jane Daniels, Jane Daniels should be the first guy taken. Right. Like, and they're not messing around. Like they watch a right. lot of film. They know what's going on. And I think he's like, you know, this guy that I was talking to was like, when it's all said and done, I think that could be a thing. And so obviously I think Jane Daniels is excellent. And I think when you look at Jane Daniels, the thing that jumps out to me about him and his play style is he is such a playmaker back there. And it's not a playmaker in like he's running around, which is a huge advantageous element to him. But against Alabama, he looked dominant. He's making tight window throws. He's throwing with anticipation. He's He's got this kind of th this quality to his play, this understanding of when to run, when to throw, when to stand in the pocket that was just so high level. And then you saw the same thing against Florida. And that, that ceiling was so incredibly high. And I heard someone articulate this. I think it was Bucky Brooks from uh, Dan Jeremiah's podcast basically say like the film this year for Drake May is not very good. I mean, it's 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 not good. Like Jaden Daniels film is significantly better, but you're also betting on traits. And I think it's important to remind yourself that it's a projection business. So like this is not a one to one who's going to be better. It's like, how does this guy project? And that's where the interviews are so important, the film study. And that's why I think the senior bowl is so incredibly critical for a guy like Bo Nix, because right now, the more you watch him, the more you're like, man, he's got more playmaking ability with his legs than he wants. He's really accurate. He's got a stronger arm than I thought he had. And then let's say he goes down to the senior bowl, like, like uh, Nagy was alluding to, and he just wows people with how he learns offenses and his hunger for football and his passion about it. And you say, man, maybe the gap between, you know, Drake May and him isn't that much. And then kind of to your point, maybe we can trade back. But for me, Daniels, as of right now, it's still very early. It just, the, the playmaker that I saw this year was spectacular. And I think that's something that I just couldn't get past in the evaluation. I'm like, I would kick myself if I passed on that for Drake May, a guy where I didn't really see it this year. And, you know, obviously he's got traits. He's got the strong arm. He's, I don't even say, he's not even that accurate. Like he, he, he missed some bad throws this year. Like I was underwhelmed with his tape. And I can't just say because this guy's big and strong and runs well, that I can and had a good him. had a good twenty two. I think twenty two. That's right. That's a great point. The tape in twenty two is is good. I, and I'm not. I'm just trying Notice. to paint a complete picture. I haven't watched a lick of of Drake May outside of one. I will say there was a cut up that I saw on Twitter <clears> yesterday. Of uh, it, it literally the tweet was bleep it two minutes of Drake May being yeah. chaotic versus Duke. And yeah. you, there's some playmaking in there, but I don't yeah. know that it's exactly positive uh, on the resume. Right. And I think that's that was the thing I came out of it. I was like, is he talented? Yeah. Are there issues with his game? Yeah. And I just prefer the playmaker at the moment. And that's, I think a lot of teams are going to lean that way, <clears throat> at least, at least uh, based on the 2023 tape. And then obviously for the quarterback, the interview process is so important. But my point is that Bo Nix at the senior bowl, 
if he has the senior bowl week that everyone seems to think he's going to have, he could be right there in that conversation and be a top 10 pick. And I, I don't think it's a surprise that you see guys like Daniel Jeremiah, Brucky Books, the guys that the NFL Stock Exchange podcast, all of a sudden taking Bo Nix, who was a second round player, and now he's kind of in that 12 to 17 range on a lot of their mocks. And I, I don't think that's a coincidence because I think they're expecting him to have a big week down here in Mobile. Yeah. Uh, and again, Logan will be down there next week. So we'll have tons of coverage. Uh, very excited about that. Um, anything else on the quarterback front before we, we flip gears? Yeah, well, I mean, I think we'd be remiss not to talk about Penix, like um, yeah. with with the with the game that he had against Texas. I think there's, I think he's a little bit more, at least in the stuff I've seen. Now, I haven't done the same direct evaluation that I've done with those other guys we just talked about, but uh, you know, when I watch, you know, um, the receiver uh, uh, Dunze, uh, Roma yeah. Dunze, um, like, and I watch the other guy for number two there for them, and I'm just trying to get the receiver evaluations done you see what everyone talks about, what everyone gets excited about with him, like this ability to throw the deep ball, but you also see a little bit of inconsistency with his game that you could, that I, that I would anticipate would piss a lot of scouts off. So do I think he's a first round talent? Yeah. But I think there's a little bit of a question about his consistency and his injury history. So if he goes down and balls out uh, at this level, I think that's going to be really interesting. Another guy, like I mentioned him a bunch of times, uh, obviously is Joe Milton. Like his tape is so crazy to watch because of the just the tremendous physical tools like it's somebody's going to fall in love with it and i'm not saying he's going to he's not he's not going to be a first round pick but i could definitely see him going high in the second round because people are like he's just got too much to ignore from a talent standpoint